Welcome to episode 11 of the Star Road Podcast. Tyler, how are you feeling going into this 11th episode? I'm really excited. Uh, we have come up with some pretty interesting topics, if I do say so myself. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about them after just thinking on them hard for the last couple of days. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a nice news segment, both Nintendo and non-Nintendo. Definitely. Uh, a nice little change up, you know. Absolutely. <clears throat> we have to come through with the discussion topic, of course. Yep. And this time it's going to be console releases, mainly retro, if they were to happen today. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a really fun one. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about, and it's not something we normally talk about. So I think that's what's really going to make it shine. Yeah, because we're going to be covering the entire uh, gambit of consoles, not just Nintendo, which I think is kind of a theme for this whole episode. We're really all over the map all day today. Yeah, we really are, man, uh, which reminds me of our top five. Yep. Which is definitely all over the place. Uh, all and that's, over the place. <laughs> that is going to be our top five favorite movie licensed games. Yep. That's going to be really, really fun, too, because that's that, again, is just like mostly non Nintendo and just kind of all over the shop for my for my list. We don't really we don't really know too much about each other's list, but uh, I'm definitely excited to see what you came up with on that one. Yeah, this is one you can go in any direction with. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm curious about your list also, so I can't wait to get into that. But, yep. But uh, a lot of lot of stuff's been happening in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, man. Uh, one thing that happened is we got an Animal Crossing New Horizons update. Yep. Uh, we're gonna have the the festival in mid February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, we, that new event is going to be going on, but the big thing I think <laughs> to us only <laughs> to us was the last few moments of the trailer, uh, free update coming in March and they have a mushroom and a power star. Yep. So we're finally going to, we're finally going to get the Mario items that we have, uh, been so, upset about not having or just wondering where they are i wouldn't say upset just wondering what the status of them was they kind of mentioned it during the uh 35th anniversary reveal but then they haven't really been they haven't really said anything about it since then yeah and it's so funny to say that uh i think i'm most hyped for this update next to all others and and this is something that we got from day one on the other animal crossing game so it's so funny that we'd be so hyped to get something that we are already entitled to. That's a, Hey, well, that's just gaming these days, man. As you, as you grow old with these franchises, that's just part of, part of what happens. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Definitely. But, uh, I'm looking forward to the Mario items. I'm sure yeah, me too. will be cool, but I'm really looking forward to the Mario items. Uh, also worth mentioning a seasonal item right now is a Rossetti model. Yeah, I have just been dipping my toe back into the water on Animal Crossing after taking a bit of a break. And um, I I went on last night and grabbed the Rossetti after you told me about it, put it right outside my front door just for old time's sake. 
Oh, that's a great spot for it, dude. That's cool you did that. Yeah, uh, facing facing directly towards where you're standing when you come out the door. That is perfect. <laughs> that's actually low-key genius, dude. I didn't even think of that. I but, had uh, There was nowhere else for it. Yeah, man. I, I put him up in my room. And I don't know. If, did you notice that when you uh, interact with it, it turns his headlamp on? No, I didn't. I didn't notice that when it was sideways. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh, so we got the Mario stuff coming with Animal Crossing. Who knows? Maybe we'll see something that goes a little further out the box than we're used to. That's true. I I feel like they could do a lot with it. Yeah, there is a lot there. And also, uh, I didn't realize until I looked into it further, this is most likely in celebration of Mario Day, which you know is March 10th. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that update came out on the 10th, to be honest. Every day is Mario Day on this podcast. Yep, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> but uh, the next news segment is pretty far from Mario. Yep. Uh, the RE Showcase. Yeah. We, we've got to talk about the RE Showcase because you and I are big Resident Evil boys. Absolutely. Always have been. Uh, we're always going to follow the series and be interested in what's going on with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the main thing we took away from the showcase is Resident Evil 8 Village. Yeah, so Resident Evil 8 and is <coughs> Village is 8, right? Like that's they're the, it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, like they they have the the 8 highlighted in Village, you know. It, it's understood uh, kind, kind of like with Biohazard. Um uh, Resident okay, Evil 7 I see. Like it had the 7 in it, you know. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I really, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. We, we saw the, we saw the gameplay trailer, both of us, and uh, it to me, it just looks a lot like any PC horror game. At least from what I saw in the gameplay, I'm sure there's much going to be more iconic Resident Evil stuff on down the line. But the beginning of it could, it could be any game. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. I think it's the direction they've gone with the Mm -hmm. current franchise. You know, when they do the remakes, it seems like they're keeping the third person and implementing first person here and there. But but with the new ones, it, it does seem like they're going for more of a horror game vibe as far as what you're talking about. You know, like like an Outlast or... You know these first-person experiences. Yeah, anything. Um, because because we saw that big time with seven, mm-hmm. and they're continuing that trend, obviously. But uh, I can't help but still be intrigued by it because the layout of this seems so similar to four. And you know, when Resident Evil Four comes to mind, we feel good things. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. You've got uh, a, a, a big mansion that's very similar to... It's almost like a cross between the mansion from the first game and the castle from the fourth game. But, yeah, like, uh, you're Victorian. Totally right. Yep, and, and it, I find it interesting that they're moving from... You're moving from the village to the castle, and, I mean, that sounds all too familiar to us. Yeah, absolutely. All we need is an island, and we, we are there. <laughs> yep. But, you mentioned um, that you thought that uh, they were going, or, you know, off mic. You mentioned to me that you thought that uh, you or you had seen some people talking about uh, that they kind of might be scrapping RE4 remake 
to do this instead? I'm not sure. Or, um, I, I think more of what they, the people I saw talking were, were talking about was like, this could have been what RE4, the remake, was going to be. Like, when they started mm-hmm. off, you know, like, so <clears throat> perhaps they started development on it and then were like, you know, this could be really good for eight for the next big installment who Mm -hmm. knows i mean uh, people are drawing a lot of similarities a lot of people seem to get the vibe that it seems reminiscent of re4 i think there's no questioning that that is that is definitely the vibe i'm just hoping it doesn't come at the cost of the remake i I would certainly hope so too like uh like i had mentioned you know uh it doesn't seem like they should take away from what the remake was meant to be if that's the case, I don't think, of course. I don't think they will. The yeah. remake was part of the leaks that we saw. That was the yeah. other thing I was wondering is if this big showcase got got put together because of all the leaks. Because basically all the titles of these games were in those leaks. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a really good point. But because uh, it's I, about the it's about the right timing for you know the leaks were maybe two months ago, and now it you know it would take about that long to put this type of presentation together. Definitely. And I feel like uh, the reminiscence to RE4 could also have a lot to do with the fact that now we have a merchant again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is a very specific feature. Absolutely. That brings one game to mind when we think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new merchant, I think they said his name was Duke. Nice. Morbidly obese chungus <laughs> uh kind of rolls out of the back of a, a little shop wagon you know yeah and it it seems like a souped up version of the merchant experience man it seems like it's pretty expansive there's a lot more it almost seems like they went more for trading a trading vibe than they did to a just buying and selling vibe yeah the demo is out on ps5 only right unfortunately yeah it's gonna it's gonna be released for current gen and next gen well i guess current gen is now next gen but uh it's going to be on ps4 ps5 xbox one and uh series x but the demo is only on i believe the ps5 Hmm. i was pretty disappointed about that i wanted to play it on my girl's xbox one yeah i would have played it if it was on ps4 oh no question Uh, i would have loved to have played it and talked about it but unfortunately uh the Sony boys get this one for now. <laughs> Only the most current, the 1% that has an, a PS5 within the first month. <laughs> I got to say, though, I've been seeing a couple, like, with between this and, like, seeing that Final Fantasy 16 is exclusive mm-hmm. and thinking about things like Street Fighter and being worried about the exclusivity of that, it, it makes having a PS5 sound better and better. Not that I'd be pushed to get one, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely. Me and my girl just got back into playing Street Fighter Five, mm-hmm. and I still want my port. I'm not giving up on that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully someday. Yeah, but the the Maiden demo, interesting stuff because it doesn't show you any combat elements. Really, it's it's more of a passive mm-hmm. demo. I think it really, uh, at the end of the day, seems like they mostly provided that to show off the detail in the environment. And it does look great. And it looks amazing. Absolutely. Uh, We talked about how the main hall gives you serious RE1 vibes. Definitely. Just like you said, with a very Victorian, really done up style. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. But uh, RE8 is the big news. They talked about RE-verse. Um, doesn't look super interesting to me. Looks like Also known as Reverse. <laughs> reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess that was supposed to be clever, yeah. So it's like a it's like a uh, first person shooter where you're or it's it's oh, it's battle royaling with Resident Evil characters. It's behind the back. It's a third person. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the the big draw seems to be that it's kind of bringing all the characters from all the games into one environment, mm-hmm. which that that normally would sound really cool. It just seems like. They turned a series that, like I told you, is meant to be taken seriously, I feel, at the roots of it, game-wise. Um, and they're, I guess they're kinda, my question would just be, who was asking for that game? Like, who needs to do that? I don't feel like it's really necessary for Resident Evil games, you know what I mean? Not at all, and, and it you kind of said it when you were like, yeah, and like another Battle Royale or whatever. It It's yeah. kind of like just getting in on the multiplayer market because mm-hmm. I guess it, it's not good enough for a company to corner the single player market these days. They're probably hyper no. aware of the amount of people who strictly game multiplayer or online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess they feel forced to do this type of thing, but I think it just seems a bit wacky when you think of Resident Evil. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you know, uh, I kind of thought like it's more of a party game. And I know it's that not really what Resident Evil's about. No, not at all. You know, um, a lot of people. Hey, maybe are, it's amazing, though. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe so. But uh, I think a lot of people are on a similar wavelength with us because I saw a lot of comments disgruntled about the fact that instead of. Uh, giving us like another mercenaries, this is what we would get. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, a, a lot of people are like, can it, can it, can it? We don't want it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I hate I hate to be harsh on something, you know. But yeah. it just seems, don't you find it weird that they would announce something so serious, like a, like a serious project to show off detail and like how advanced and like, serious the series is and then alongside have something like that that totally deviates from it i don't know i don't i don't think it's really that's really a big deal to me because having variety is good but i just don't think anybody really cares about or at least i don't care about multiplayer pvp resident evil main characters fighting each other at all that seems really uh, lame honestly re5 online was boring like yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good point, dude. I, I, in a nutshell, if you want to play a multiplayer experience, there's a lot of other uh, routes you could take. Yeah, just play Call of Duty. So, yeah, so or like to, anything else. So for you to dedicate to it, it would certainly have to be something worth dedicating to. There's an online only, co-op only, matchmaking Friday the 13th game. Play yeah. that instead. Yeah, that actually came to mind when uh when I thought about the party game aspect because that's that's kind of a party game just with a little. It is, but that game's you know? cool. Yeah, definitely. I've seen it played <laughs> and it does seem very fun. Uh, they're offering a a bundle where you can get Resident Evil Seven and Eight together. That's pretty cool. Um, for everyone that hasn't played Seven, like myself, absolutely, and I've only watched a playthrough of seven i haven't actually played it but i did watch mm-hmm. the whole game played through 
Yeah. Um, definitely an interesting route they took. But I think the end result is pretty good. Uh, the arm feature that I told you about is a bit strange. <laughs> I still think yeah. uh, I, it's hard for me to defend. Um, Nobody's <laughs> we perfect. We don't need to get into that, man. Yeah. Yeah. The series is still great. So it was cool to see the showcase. I think I think eight's going to be good. I really do. Resident Evil's one through four will always exist, no matter what else they do. Definitely, and uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a foreshadow to the three shop. But we got a big RE three shop today. Oh yeah, that's part of the news too. I mean, it's it's going on sale, kind of in relation to the yep, we got we got the showcase. Everything Resident Evil is on sale, and mm-hmm. that's going to be the that's going to be a big draw. That's going to be the three shop banger. It's our three Sweet. shop. But uh, to close out the news, by the time, oh no, something we have one that's more uh, thing. <laughs> oh. We no, gotta go talk ahead. about something that you specifically have an issue with. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and that's the Hitman Three cloud version. I, I don't want to go on a whole tirade, but I'm a big Hitman fan. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. This is known. I played all the PS2 games. I played Hitman 2016. Um, So Hitman 3 Cloud version came out on Switch, and I was very interested in it. I wasn't really sure what they were doing with it. I didn't really look too much into it. I'm not sure how much was known. I'm sure if I had done any research, I would have known. But it's a free app, basically, that you can download on the Switch eShop. And... It installs on your system. It connects. You have to make a IOI account or whatever, an Ubisoft account or whatever it is, and connect to their server to just play the demo for five minutes. The five-minute demo is the training level from Hitman 2016, um, which I will... I don't really like that, but we'll, I don't want to dwell on that too much. Um, and that's your like connectivity test. So you basically go on like the dim, play play the cloud version through this little five minute demo to determine if you feel like your connection is good enough to to purchase the game for sixty dollars retail. And Sterling, I got to be honest with you. I was very disappointed with the offering for a few reasons. First of all, I am about the average to slightly above average user that they should be looking for. My, I have a like, you know, over a hundred meg cable bandwidth internet with a nice router. My switch is hardwired with an ethernet cable to my cable modem. My network is very, very consistent. Um, and the demo, it played like absolute garbage. I mean, it, it really, really was terrible. Um, and I think you had the same experience, right? Yeah. I, I, I downloaded it and I booted up the demo. Um, I didn't need to make any account or anything. It just oh, okay. I might in. be mixing it up with something else. But um, 
they I know they did that with the Doom games, which was very strange to play the first yeah. Doom. You had to make like a Bethesda account. Uh, that was mm. strange. But uh it was choppy, man. Uh it, it you know, it seems fine at first kind of and then you start to move the camera around and then you realize uh it is not optimal. Yeah. It just it, seems it seems like a pointless offering like I would rather yeah, it, them it's not a even benchmark test. I mean, it, it's it's like the demo is not meant to have fun with. It's just a like a benchmark test, basically. Yeah, and it turned me off from buying the game for PC, which I was considering doing, just because it seems like I don't know, man. It seems like a cash grab to me. Like they're basically hosting the servers for this game. The actual company, like IOI, the company that makes the game owns these servers and they're serving this content through remote access. And I, you know, I do it for a living. I remote access into a lot of computers. It's, it's very obvious to me playing on my TV that this is a game that is being played on a remote server. It's got screen artifacts. It just looks and feels very bad. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not down with that. It, 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 I don't feel like even if it was perfect quality, I really don't feel like it's worth $60 because what is your money actually getting you? You're not even getting a physically installed game on your console's hard drive like you would with a digital purchase of a of a game and you're certainly not getting anything physical. Yeah, uh luckily for me, I'm not a diehard on Hitman, but it disappoints me that uh my boy Tyler here, who's a big fan of the series, <laughs> has got to be just a touch heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, I feel you on everything you're saying. Uh, you know, I, I totally am with you on it. Uh, I think it's strange. It seems very, like, impersonal. Uh, Definitely. In a day where, you know, day and age where, like, developers are or at least are making an attempt to be really in touch with their consumers. And this This feels like, hello, credit card number, please. Okay. Like enjoy for now until we decide to shut the server down on something you would think the profit margin on would be insane. I know because of what the actual, you know, uh, interaction is. Yeah. But uh, we've talked about it before that it seems like an alternative to get newer gen stuff on the switch that might not normally be there, but it's just, yep. uh, if, if that's what you're really looking for and wanting to focus on, then the switch is maybe not it. I don't think game like game <clears throat> streaming is a bad idea or a bad a bad thing for us or for the industry. But I do think selling a $60 game that's stream only as a one-time purchase is not really where I want to be. Now, an example of a good streaming option is I coincidentally, uh, after firing up my PS4 for the first time in a while, checked out the PS Now library. PlayStation Now is a streaming subscription that is 10 bucks a month through sony this is how it should be done because they have 
an incredible selection of games. I was going down the list of some games with you. You could subsist off of this service alone and never buy a game again. As long as you're cool with playing games that are one to 10 years old only like the, Which the, is the library, bulk, the bulk of our intake. Yeah, exactly. And these are the, t- these are games that I would still purchase that are on this service for 10 bucks a month. That's, that's one thing. Second thing, more than half the games that I looked at are available to be dire- directly downloaded to your console. Uh, there's a streaming option. You can launch it and play the game right away to stream it. That's a fun option. If it's if you want to try out a game, play it for 10 minutes, see if you like it, like whatever. There are some games that are stream only for whatever reason. I don't know what the differentiating factor is. Um, but I think the fact that you can download the games directly or stream them in most cases is really nice. And also it just, even when, even when you're streaming the games, the quality difference is absolutely astronomical. And that's how I know with Hitman, it wasn't necessarily an issue on my end because when I hook up to PS now and stream a game, it's absolutely flawless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was pretty impressed with the selection you went through and told me about. And uh, I really do feel like um, if I had a PS4 in my possession, that's definitely a catalog I can get by on. Ten bucks a month is impossible to beat. I mean, you're talking about ten bucks a month for all these games, including Hitman 2, hilariously. Um, Hundreds of games versus $60 for one streamable game. That's basically the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, but in a, <laughs> I'll get off the it, soapbox. <laughs> Tyler has uh, expressed his disdain for the direction of the Hitman Cloud community. <laughs> yep, we can move on. I, that's all I need to say. Uh, but it's it's interesting news though because this is the introduction into the cloud phase with the Switch. So I think it's definitely yep. worth delving into. I hope if uh, they introduce an actual Nintendo run streaming service, it's I think it'll one, I hope, but two, I also expect that it will be way, way better than that that garbage, that hitman crap, to be honest with you. I think Nintendo is so deep rooted in their hardware that uh a streaming service would probably be mostly for old stuff to be made available. Mm -hmm. which basically we already have yeah of course uh that seems to be what they do and it works i mean yeah i I don't feel like i don't feel like they would ever develop a game that couldn't be played on their hardware totally (laughs) it's just not their their thing yep i agree completely to close out the news segment uh since i almost forgot about your hitman 3 rant Yep. We both played on a, po- little, on a more positive note. A very positive note. We both played the Little Nightmares 2 demo. My boy Tyler yep. did it. And yep. I was a uh, I was a virgin to the franchise before. Yep. And uh you enjoyed your experience, I assume? Yeah, it was really, really fun. I am a big fan of Little Big Planet, which you told me after the fact that it or actually before that it's the same team. And um, basically, I'm also a, a yeah. big fan of Inside, which is an, a similar game um, stylistically. So if it hit me right in a place where I want to be, I also enjoy ARGs and just horror in general. So like 
because of some of the stuff that you're about to talk about this like this hit me on actually multiple levels and i'm i can i can feel myself getting sucked into the universe through you yeah uh i can't stress enough i've mentioned before little nightmares is one of my favorite games uh the hype right now for two which is coming out on the 11th i've got it pre-ordered on amazon i can't wait Uh, i really can't think of a release i've been this hype on in recent years to be honest with you dude What's the pre-order price? Uh, you can get it digitally for thirty, but physical on Amazon is forty. Mm, okay, that's not too bad. But I paid the extra ten to get a physical because this means a lot to me, man. Absolutely. But I went back, read all the comics. Uh, I'm about halfway through Very Little Nightmares, the mobile game. I'm covering mm-hmm. all my grounds outside of the main game. I told you I 100%ed <laughs> the main game, the DLC. Yep. Uh, I'm making sure to have everything maxed out in time for this release. And I'm way ahead of pace, of course, because I had already yeah, played Yeah, you're pretty the, much almost done. Oh, yeah. I had played through the main game three times before and the DLC once before I went back to it this time mm-hmm. uh, and got all the little shit, you know, that I passed up. Um, but, man, I got to say, this is going to be a big release. Uh, Definitely. And I'm looking forward to it a lot. We're going to talk about it more whenever it comes out good but uh i can't wait i can't wait to hear how it is because yeah, the man. arg element like the the meta ludo narrative element of it that's what interests me a lot yeah i'm really trying to hold back uh and not <laughs> and not go I, this is something i really am into and can go we could on have a whole podcast about. on little nightmares and you would just oh, go to town definitely bro but Instead of doing that, I think what we should do is discuss console releases if they were to happen today in 2021. Yep. And, uh, and we I really just, haven't planned this at all besides the general topic idea, so we're pretty no, much freestyling we're going, here. We're going straight into this with no premeditation. So I would like to do you the courtesy, Tyler. Okay. Which system is the first that comes to mind when you think of this particular concept. The first thing that comes to my mind is something that's been on my mind lately because of Christmas, the Sega Genesis. Mm, Now that's a good pick. It's an interesting one because it wasn't necessarily ahead of its time graphically, but the game library was quite good. It definitely so, definitely shined with its library. I've got to give it that. When you think about it coming out today, and if you think about a lot of the games that would be... like, I'm thinking we think about these consoles in the sense of if it came out today with most or all of the game library that it has, just for the sake of discussion. So yeah. thinking that way... I think it's no question that it would be a hit because there's some all-time classics on that. I mean, you want to talk about multiple great Sonic the Hedgehog games, sports games that still hold up to this day, 2D platformers. And I mean, it really was a big competitor, you know, successfully or not against Nintendo at the time. Oh, definitely. And uh, another one you could bring up is fighting games. The Genesis mm-hmm, shot fighting games. I mean, Mortal Kombat on Genesis is, that's where it's at, bro. 
specifically three for me. Uh, A lot of people, uh, and it's interesting we're talking about Genesis because I've only recently heard complaining from people about the run mechanic on Mortal Kombat 3. Mm -hmm. But it's so funny that I, I think back and that's the fondest memories I have of a Mortal Kombat game is with 3. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That was the one that I played the most too as a kid, by far. No, no question. Until I got Deception on the GameCube. For some reason, I always played Striker, dude. <laughs> it was just my go-to. But, uh, yeah, dude, it, it, I mentioned before, and this is a point that's going to come up with any 16-bit or below system we talk about. Mm-hmm. We live in an age where indie games that resemble games like you're talking about on the Genesis uh, and on the Super Nintendo and whatnot, these games develop followings that are big even in the current like population of gamers. Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, you got stuff like uh, Golf Store, for example, one one that you can relate to as well, like very big following. Very Absolutely, well, and well Golf Story is the type of game that you could have seen on the Genesis. Obviously not as big in scale, but graphically it's on the same level. Yeah, the the, the big thing is that the appeal is still there. Absolutely. You play games I think like that the Messenger. art style is very charming. Yeah, man, you play games like uh, The Messenger and uh the bloodstained 2D games. I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's shit that easily could have been on the Genesis. Pixel art is as big as it's ever been since Absolutely. it was a necessity. Yeah. It, it, it's almost a trend when you think about mm-hmm. it. it. It's almost like a, a more of an aesthetic pleasure now than it was then. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere ever again either. I don't think so either. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, you've been playing Octopath Traveler. That's a perfect, perfect example. Exa- perfect example of that being taken to a level that you might not have thought it could be taken to. Absolutely, because it's it's like a 3D pixel art game. It's incredible, or yeah, at least two and a half D. Aren't the environments on that game absolutely breathtaking? Like the water and just like the cave details and everything. Like, doesn't it just blow you away, kinda? It's like if you took one of my favorite game franchises, Golden Sun, which I've talked about <laughs> ad nauseum on the podcast. Um, it it it's like if you took that and like ran it through Minecraft almost, like with some of the three D sort of textured environments. It's absolutely beautiful. The lighting, the shading on everything, like. I'm still in the beginning of the game, but I'm just like where you go into the forest at, at the beginning. Um, I'm playing because with we Hannah. Both, we both picked the same. Yeah, honey. We both started with the same character. So that that is a, a shared experience. Yeah. Just that environment is just so rich with like texture and just shading and just like you're kind of like squinting to see what, you know, what's slightly off screen and you get to actually traverse some parts of, you know, what you might not see at first. It's really, really nice. Yeah. And that's just a testament to, like you said, the the pixel style never fading away. I agree. Definitely. But uh, you want to um, know what so yeah, comes Genesis, I would say I would say that would get a pass from me. I would say success. Absolutely. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me, we could speculate on. But, you know, 
in a day and age where we have a big mobile gaming market, I'd like to see what the Game Boy line would do. Mm. That is interesting. I think it's different if you think about each Game Boy individually, but if you're talking about the whole line, I mean, there's there's a lot to cover there. Absolutely, and I am talking about the whole line. Uh, I, you know, I'm not excluding GBA or anything. Uh, but I think the big you would you would think okay, say people play games on their phone, and a Game mm-hmm. Boy came out, and they're thinking, okay, well this thing's out. Why should I play that instead of games on my phone? It's funny to think that decades ago, when the Game Boy came out, there were games on here that to this day mobile games lack the depth of absolutely and i'm talking about original games you know uh, that mm-hmm. doesn't count like a final fantasy 3 port to mobile totally absolutely uh so i would make the argument that there would be a reason to buy a game boy in a day where mobile gaming is popular uh Another thing that I didn't think about until now that helps, there isn't a Game Boy library on the Switch. You can make the argument that, oh, well, we have a (laughs) next-gen handheld, a hybrid. Yeah, well, where's the Game Boy games? Unless you're piecing them out in these $20, $30 collections. Totally. That's a good point. The the game library is a big point in its favor, just like the Genesis. Yeah, and something I could say that relates to the Genesis and to the Game Boy, I wonder where how cartridge gaming would take off if it hadn't happened yet. I wonder like how the idea of cartridges would resonate with people today that are only used to say disc and physical based shit. Hmm. I mean, disc I and know. digital. Yeah. It's an, I know it's, what an you inter- meant. it's an interesting thought, you know, I don't know. I, th- I am inclined to think that people would shy away from that and they would shy away from game boys in general because of mobile which i don't agree with but i think that that would be i i don't know if if like if the game boys came out today if they would be successful unfortunately i i I don't particularly think it would be either but it's something that we'll we won't ever really know because it's a scenario that can't happen of course of course but but that's that's what we're here to speculate it would be really hard to sell the Candy Crush market on a system you buy to play Tetris. Yeah. That's the unfortunate, what I would say People is would buy truth. it and be like, it, it, what do you mean it doesn't make calls? I don't understand. Yeah, like you only play games on it? Yeah, like does it also have a calendar? Like where are yep. the apps? Where's the app store? Yeah, because that that... There was never any type of uh, DS-type interface on a Game Boy. Like, nope. throughout the whole line, it was just boot the cartridge. Yep. So no matter what line of the handheld they got, they would be met with the same type of interface. Back at that time, we barely understood the difference between the BIOS and the actual just game. Yep, which makes me think that perhaps the DS would have a different fate, which we got, I mean, the 3DS is recent enough to know that it would be a success. But say that none of the DS lines ever happened. That's something that potentially could take off, but smartphones also outshine. 
I think having two screens and a touchscreen is actually a, a big, big point in the DS's favor. Obviously, like that's I, I know I'm stating the obvious here, but yeah, that's I, what gives I, it the upper hand over the Game Boy in today's market. Exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the thing people laugh about. Like you give a kid today a Game Boy and they're going to start tapping the screen mm-hmm. with the yeah, DS. I think they that's just get, true. They would get results from the DS, though. So therefore, kids would <laughs> resonate with it. You know what yeah, I mean? that would actually make sense. <laughs> it could be like, look, pick the chat. You could draw. Look, draw. And then the kid would be like, oh, yeah. shit. I love drawing stuff on my iPad, of course. Of course. <laughs> with my Apple pen. Mm-hmm. But hey, that the they went away from styluses a long time, but now there is the Apple pencil and like the DS had that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a a perfect example of the DS. Everything comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I want to I don't want to stick too long on Dreamcast. Or on Dreamcast, I just gave myself away. I don't. I was gonna say I don't want to stick too long on Sega, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the Dreamcast because that is one that wasn't successful at the time. It did flop, even though it was a technically advanced console. It was poorly marketed and came out at a very strange time. It was all timing. Yep. Yep. It, it, if it if it would have come earlier, I think we would have seen. Uh, it would have been more like the Genesis. Or even a little later, you, even if they had waited another year or two and came out alongside the PS2 and Xbox, um, I think that would have been better. Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely could have worked in their favor. Uh, but I feel like what they brought with the Dreamcast is something that still has some value today. And that's, like I said before, the home arcade experience. It was the first internet connected console that was mainstream. And that's an interesting point as well. That's, I mean, uh, when we talk about the Game Boy, if you told people, oh, no, this doesn't connect to the Internet, that would probably be a big red flag alone. That's a big red flag, yep. So you could say differently about the Dreamcast, and suddenly, you know, they're interested. Yeah. Well, you, oh, it has a browser. Yeah, I'm used to that. My PS5 has a browser. <laughs> Even though the Dreamcast browser looked terrible, <laughs> uh, but the the arcade experience is is what I think uh, it would still deliver on shit like Crazy Absolutely. Taxi. You could now the killer of it would be the digital stores because you can go on Microsoft Store on Xbox and get Crazy Taxi. But, For probably two ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> but the aesthetic with the Dreamcast is also something that never lost its luster. That I certain agree. polygon, like you know, the Virtual Fighter, Virtual Racer yep. type of look. I mean, that's and, still pretty relevant as well. Maybe not in the same light as pixel art, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and that controller, that thing was insane. Definitely, uh, that's the look of the console we live in a day where actually it it bears even more of an importance because people like to see like a product that looks nice it looks high tech you know what i mean like it looks sleek the dreamcast looks very nice and that controller falls in that category as well the PS5 controller kind of looks like a dreamcast controller now that i think about it <laughs> 
the crazy huge like boomerang yeah and just and even if the touchpad is a touchpad it's kind of like the screen exactly you know having having more than just buttons on a controller is something i think that would resonate with people as well yep yeah, man. So I don't know. I think the Dreamcast might actually be more successful if it came out now than it was at the time. Perhaps, man. Um, when I think about the consoles and everything, you, you want to start talking about disc-based stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like PS1 and GameCube. But that's one that's hard to speculate on, in my opinion. Because as you get more into the 3D era of gaming, that's where things start to fall short in comparison to modern games. Yeah, because people are just going to see from a modern perspective inferior. Exactly. Experiences. Why why would you play Call of Duty 2 when it looks like that? Yeah, instead as opposed of to the, just playing Black Ops. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a good point, and and we we like to go back and appreciate the old graphics on stuff and everything. But over time, things just handled better. Mm-hmm. We went from the you know the RE tank controls to RE four. I mean, with the laser sight. Yep. We even saw a big, you know, drastic jump uh, when we were coming up. So Definitely. Uh, it's almost like when you talk about the Genesis, like you opened with, that almost encompasses 16-bit, so we can almost include the Super Nintendo with that. Sure. It's crazy to think that the once you move into 3D, like you said, it's it doesn't have that timeless Correct. effect that the 16-bit, 8-bit era has. It just looks like outdated technology. Yeah, and and the I think the NES would even perform, of course, if the cartridges are priced properly. Uh, mm-hmm. If if for example the common games that are like five bucks, you know, ten dollars top end, I feel like if those prices were the shelf prices, something mm-hmm. like the NES could take off. Maybe sure if, if the console is like sixty bucks maybe 80 and the cartridges are five to 10. I think a couple of people would be, you know, more than a couple would be willing to have like maybe a physical eight bit experience in a world of digital eight bit indie games. Yeah. Well, we saw, I mean, we saw what happened with the Nest classic. They can't even produce that product anywhere near enough to meet the demand every time that they've come out with it and that was so wild to see man that was so crazy nintendo had no clue i guess i think that nintendo i mean that's a whole other podcast topic basically but it, it seems like nintendo prints to scarcity quite a bit that's a we've good talked point. about that before yeah, too. That, that is a good point but I, I I really do wonder if they knew that the NES Mini would perform like that. Now they didn't produce enough. There's no question about it. But it it makes you wonder if they could have possibly been blindsided by the demand. It's just Maybe. an intriguing thing to think about. Not the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Not the second time. Not the second time. <laughs> no, that's the big problem here. Yeah. 
But uh, luckily, I don't know, luckily for the Super Nintendo, that was made a little more available. <laughs> Slightly off topic, I uh, ended up at the Lego store at the mall the other day and saw the oh, Lego, shit. the Lego NES, fully constructed and like, oh, it looks so cool. Oh, it was constructed in person, huh? Yeah, like it was behind some glass, but it was fully put together to where you could see what the end product looked like, and it was really, really neat. I was Damn, very, man. very surprised by how much I wanted to get it, even though it was two hundred bucks. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you didn't. Those sold out. I mean, even that was hard to get for quite a while. But I, I asked the the lady at the store, and she was like, "Yeah, we these were sold out for a long time. We just got them like last week." So I was wow. like, mm, "Yeah." That's a pretty hefty price tag to be sold out on such a novelty item. Definitely, but it's a it's very desirable because it's it says Nintendo on it and it's a freaking NES. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's pretty wild, dude. It has a um, TV that you can turn the knob and it like has Mario jumping through the level. Yeah, I, I actually saw some uh, some video of it in some of the Mario lego sets you know those and are cool man, too that oh is something man. i would actually consider doing yeah man uh, i kind of wanted to just get a mario but it's you can't really everything i see in the store and everything always says no mario included i'm like well, where yeah the you have to mario? get the base set and then there's expansions that you can get from there yeah yeah you ain't you ain't buying no mario separately otherwise i'm sure they know that a bunch of people would be like i just want the mario with the screen on him yeah <laughs> But uh, but yeah, man. What any other console ideas? I I I think you you hit the nail on the head with the disc based stuff. I I don't know if it it just looks like a worse version of what we have now. Yeah, I think the big summary of all of this is that the early 3D might not survive so well, but the early pixel stuff that's a different story. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's interesting to come to that conclusion because, like, like we said, we hadn't really given this too much thought beforehand. Yeah, not at all. And uh, also, if I had to give a final verdict on the handheld thing, I think that we exist in a time where dedicated handhelds with older experiences might not perform. Unfortunately, but I, I, I think I think I agree with that. Yep, it's a conclusion I hate to come to, but uh, I think that would be the case. I think mobile phones and tablets, uh, people are really, you know, like pampered with that. Definitely. And I think the fact that we come from the time where that really wasn't a thing, you know, uh, used yeah. to just be Nextel walkie-talkie bricks mm -hmm. with antennas that you had to raise. Now, we weren't uh, adults for this. We were children, of course. But it really puts it in perspective because we would be the ones to have these things marketed to us, but we would have never experienced them. So it's hard Definitely. to even know how we would receive them. But I think interesting to think really, about, man. Yeah, it made for a very thought provoking discussion for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just thinking about the top five. I'm so excited to get into it. I know. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny that we're even doing this because I brought it up as an idea to you. And yep. then this is one you held back because you didn't think I would 
stand with you on it. So it kind of was a magical pick. Here we are. Yep. Yep. We're talking about (laughs) movie licensed games and we're doing it in the top five fashion. So whenever I was thinking about this, I'm like, what can we talk about that makes us go outside of the normal top five zone? Yep. This is definitely it, dude. This makes us... It forces us to bring up games that we wouldn't normally bring up because it puts us in such a specific territory. Absolutely. So, I think that you should start <laughs> us off, man. Well, my honorable mention, and listen, this is just how I did my list. Whenever we talked about licensed movies, I wanted to make it movie to the max. So all of the ones on my list are direct from movies except for my honorable mention okay which is star wars jedi knight 2 jedi academy (laughs) so (laughs) real quick for the listeners before we did our list segment i estimated that we would have three franchises overlapping but zero of the same games so I want to keep that mindset going into this one. So so carry on with your pick, bro. Sorry. Okay. I thought you were going to blow my mind and say it was on your list or something. No. Okay. Uh, but the franchise may be. Yeah. Uh, whenever we think of licensed and movie shit, Star Wars definitely comes to mind. And we've definitely had some great Star Wars games. Totally. And so when I sat down and was making a list, I was like, I have to pick one Star Wars game, which is difficult. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I I thought about things like Episode One Racer, Mm -hmm. which for the time, that was a really good racing game. Yep. uh, That was deep rooted in something pretty relevant to us. I mean, Episode One was our childhood Star Wars. So I thought about things like that. And, you know, of course, you think about Battlefront and the like. Mm hmm. But Star Wars games are really about lightsaber combat, bro. Let's just be real, okay? <laughs> and I think Jedi Academy did it best. Yeah. Uh, I, really I never played do, the game. I really do feel like if you were ever like, I want to play a Star Wars game that's like really, really about the lightsaber combat. And I know that like mm-hmm. the Force Unleashed games are pretty, you know, updated and all that. But I, I feel like Jedi Academy. It's just got that feeling, dude, when you're using force powers and they introduce dual sabers and double-sided sabers and shit that uh, Jedi Outcast didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were to go back and play this, you would so quickly agree with me that if you're trying to get I would that, love to. Yeah, if you're trying to get that I am a Jedi, fuck with me vibe. Yeah. Jedi Academy is the game. That's fun. And uh, it, it's a pretty big deal to pick it as my Star Wars game because there's a lot that could make the list. But Jedi Academy gets the honorable mention. And really, it's just an honorable mention slot because I feel like that's the only one that stands alone, not being an actual film. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm dying I went a little, your I went a little bit is. more loosey-goosey with the style on mine. So my games are all licensed, but very few of them are specific movie games. I, I went more on a, on a broader spectrum. So keep that in mind. We interpreted the topic a little differently, which is totally fine. Um, but my honorable mention is actually going to be X-Men for the Sega Genesis, which I feel like we're on the Genesis cast today. But uh, <laughs> that game... It was a 2D platformer. You got to 
pick different X-Men, go through the levels with them. I mean, you know how this the 16-bit era 2D platformers were. It it was very, very similar on the same wavelength as your Aladdin's or your your stuff like that. But this game to me stood alone because I grew up with the X-Men, you know, animated cartoon show. And this game tied into that. So to me, when I first played it as a kid and then replaying it as an adult a few years back, it just hits such a sweet spot for me because the gameplay is very good. It's nothing insane. It's not it's not the greatest game ever made, but it's an X-Men 2D platformer. And I I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, man. Um, X-Men was a big part of my upbringing as well. I I think it's something that was kind of unavoidable for our age group. Definitely. Uh, and we saw a lot of good X-Men games throughout the years, some questionable also. Totally. But um, when you say X-Men on Sega Genesis, that that's almost like a summary of childhood in a way. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like these licensed games, uh, for better or for worse, are a summary of childhood. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I feel like licensed games have gotten less and less popular over time, actually, because a lot of mine on my list are older. I would say almost all of them are older. Every single one on my list is older. Yep. And that, yeah, that point stands. Cool, uh, man. Well, hit me with your first, uh, your first big boy. I think my first one's going to make you laugh. I really do. It can't wait. It's, uh, but I have reason and you got to hear me out. It's Disney's Tarzan on PS1. Dude, that game was amazing. Okay, listen. It was a really good platformer. That was a rental hero for me. That was one that I owned. I'm so glad that you experienced it. But honestly, dude, I the first thing I have to bring up is that that game really, really brings you to thinking about the recent Donkey Kong Country games. Okay. Because of the depth of some of the platforming, what comes to mind is like whenever you would hop on the like, you know, they had the sections with the tree branches that you would have to glide along and kind of go into the background. And it's yep. very three dimensional. Dude, that's exactly the type of thing that they innovated with on the Donkey Kong Country games like 3D Returns, Tropical Freeze. That I shit feel all- like I remember that game being extremely difficult. There was some Maybe difficult it's just because I was a kid. That, but there was a lot of that. It's kind of like the... It's funny I say Donkey Kong because it's like the minecart levels in the country games. A lot of these were like very like reflex-based inputs on hopping branches and avoiding Absolutely. hazards. And in the... I recall like the first couple times around when you get to like the final boss of the game, like that that uh cheetah or whatever it is. Kind of difficult. Yep. Yeah, man. It's so funny. I would have never thought about this game if you hadn't mentioned it. Because I it's it was buried deep in my memory, but as soon as you said it, th- yeah. I remember we rented that game more than once when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and it's one of those games that I'm almost positive like it would be just as fun going back to. I still have the I think disc. So. Uh, I'm not you sure if the it. disc. I'm Let not sure it if is. it works. I feel like it. I went through and tested all my PS1 games, and if it worked, I think I would have remembered. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, that's maybe no I can, good. Maybe I can buff it or something, dude. But uh, yeah. But yeah, man, Tarzan. It's so funny that you didn't laugh. You actually agreed. 
No, that's amazing. It's so uh, funny. I, I do really rem- have fond memories of that game. That's really awesome, man. What you got next for us? Same era. I mean, movie-wise, but different different platform or different platform goof troop on the super nintendo uh this was the only one that i mentioned to you before the cast and i know you said you weren't familiar with it but it was a top-down screen scrolling item collection like adventure game in the style of like the legend of zelda i mean there's no other way to say it like it obviously it's very very different than that but it had the same, it had similar roughly mechanics and i remember playing it as a kid at a friend's house very very often cuz it was one of my good good friends when i was a young kid had it and uh i couldn't get enough of it i couldn't get enough of it and i really would like to go back and see if it holds up because i remember it being extremely deep there's a lot of items a lot of different like puzzle solving elements and stuff just like a zelda game like you would think so that's my uh that's my number five slot on the list and you know i'm a goof boy absolutely Uh, so it's interesting that i didn't have any familiarity with this game but you really make me want to go back and play it because it sounds appealing just based off of being a goof boy you know I'm going to send you a gameplay video when we're done with the cast and Definitely. you can watch some, some gameplay of it. Yeah, do that. Because that's a match made in heaven, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I got to... For number four, I got to come out with another Disney banger that you might know. Okay. And it's another PS1 game, bro. It's A Bug's Life. Yep, I played that one too, man. <laughs> Dude, tell me that that game wasn't awesome. It was. It that was another hard one. I rem- I think that was another rental for us, and that was another hard one. Like, I don't think we made it very far. Be- when I say we, I mean me and my parents, because that was that was what we were doing when I was that young. You know, probably ages like four through maybe seven. And that's, that would have been that window when I played that game. And I, I remember I was a big Bugs Life fan, too, because that movie that movie hit me hard when I was a kid. But I don't I remember the game, but I remember not getting very far in it, unfortunately. Well, for me, a Bugs Life is life. So I completed that game. And I got to tell you, uh, I recall some of the bosses being very hard. Mm-hmm. Hopper was definitely hard as shit. The boss I'm sure. game unbelievable uh but that was one that did such a good job in a 3d environment of almost following the film mm-hmm. definitely did, did such a wonderful job and i feel like the environments felt and i know you're going to relate to this dude but the environments felt so expansive and like there were so many areas that it almost felt like an open world of bugs life game definitely i just remember the very beginning when you start out like yeah, right in the, the ant colony the, on the hills, like yep. There's so many, uh, there's so many like different levels, not just expansive areas, but there's levels to the areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. And it, it almost feels like if you didn't know you were going to the next level, they they're so seamless that you could almost travel from one to the next, and mm-hmm. then never be any interruption. But I I really do recall that being 
one of the most solid movie licensed games that come to mind. Definitely. Uh, I just remember that your uh, your health bar was a leaf. Yep, and and uh, you were chucking berries. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And then, uh, of course, the the big nostalgia for me is that butt slide, dude. <laughs> I yeah. know you remember sliding around on your butt, leaving that blue streak behind you. Of course, yeah. I mean, that, what a, that, that's... What a great era for video games. That's what it's all about, dude. Definitely. What you got for number four? My number four is one that you actually already said during this segment. <laughs> and it's our first uh, confirmed franchise crossover on the list uh star wars battlefront 2 on the ps2 era consoles not the more recent one a hot contender that game was so good i i had a good friend that had it and i also rented it because i i just wanted to play every Every single little thing in that game that I could find, I wanted to. You know what I mean? I wanted to play as every character. I wanted to explore every level to the maximum, every scenario. Like, I just really had a lot of fun with that type of game. I didn't think such a thing existed before I played it. I absolutely loved the Battlefront games. Uh, and, And it really was the tough pick was between the Jedi Academy and a Battlefront. Totally. Uh, if you want to go off in nostalgia, I'm very nostalgic for Bounty Hunter on GameCube. Mm, I yeah. don't think that that game would hold up now because I recall it being <laughs> ve- like frustrating, but not because of difficulty. Yeah. But, I mean, it, that's about as hot of a pick as it gets with Star Wars, dude. Battlefront 2. <laughs> Tell me your next one, bro. There's not too much to say on Battlefront 2. I mean, (laughs) you you play as the people and you fight each other. It's amazing. Yep. And the the joy of it, I really do think, is that variety. We got that. Oh, totally. I mean, I get to play as all these characters. Like, I get to play as Darth Maul and go. Yeah, it stacks people out. Very personalized to your Star Wars taste. Totally. But the next one I'm going to bring up is Batman the video game on NES. Ooh, I never played this one. It just so happens that one of the best games on the NES is Batman the video game. Now this That's was taken very cool. directly from the Tim Burton one. Ah, just to relate the the movie with the game. Yeah. But it's pretty widely known how great of a game this is. It's one of the best platformers that you can play. It kind of took that ninja gaiden approach Mm. with the like wall jump mechanic but the thing is with this game it feels so perfect because they like you know uh, how it's worded most commonly is it's almost like they put some weight to batman Mm. to where when you're wall jumping it just feels like there's this moment where you like push your momentum yeah that's cool the, the timing just feels so right with it Whereas on Ninja Gaiden, it's very quick and just twirling around, you know, it's a a lot more sporadic, but with this, it's a lot more like concise. Well, I think that's part of Batman's sort of character is he is heavy. He's a heavy, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And also a big beefy tank, whereas all kind of shit. Yeah. And he's carrying all kind of shit on him. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, in this game, I mean, you've got 
which it's so, so funny always to think about Batman with a gun, but you you know you have a gun. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you got the batarang. You know, you got all kind of weapons at your disposal, and it's funny. I could bring it up now. The Batman game on Game Boy, dude. You only shoot a gun, and if you haven't seen that, you got to look up gameplay. It's hilarious. It's just, <laughs> it's just a tiny, tiny little Batman, like a hilariously tiny sprited Batman that just shoots a gun. <laughs> like he's so tiny, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh. Yeah, definitely worthy of the list, dude. Batman the video game, NES. What you got for number three? Well, my next one has a suspicion towards something that we might be looking at, but uh, it's 007 Nightfire for the uh, the PS2 era consoles. Um, this was my most played 007 game by far because my dad had it on PS2 and... I would go over to his house and we would just play the multiplayer constantly. It had a a really amazingly fun multiplayer fighting sort of mode like GoldenEye or, you know, those other great 007 games. But this game stood alone because it, it really had some incredible weapons and technology to play around with in the, uh, in the multiplayer mode. So that's, that's my pick for, uh, for number three, 007 Nightfire. I, I really, and the story mode was cool too, but the, the multiplayer was singularly like memorable for me. Yeah. I haven't played Nightfire, but, uh, I'm not commenting on the 007 thing right now. I know. Um, just hit me with your next one. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, <laughs> the next one is one that came up first when we talked about it, and that's Spider-Man for PS1. Mm-hmm. I know we got a <laughs> lot of PS1 games on the list here, yeah. but it, it, everyone knows, man. I mean, Spider-Man on PS1, that was the original I Am Spider-Man experience. Yep, slinging webs around the city and doing stuff. And that type of shit right there and the way they implemented it in that gave that GTA feeling of being in the open city, even though we were in a sandbox, they did such a good job of like making us feel like we weren't. Yep. And it, it felt so natural playing that game. And it's just like, that's one I would love to go back and play because I don't have the disc. Mm-hmm. But I would love to go back and like really run through this game. There was a lot what, of good Spider-Man games. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear nothing but great things about the newest one. I know mm-hmm. it's amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not a Sony boy, so I haven't gotten to experience it. But I'm sure I would get you know uh, even higher levels of feeling from it. I perhaps. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Put I'm not gonna comment on that one either. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> well, you'll be commenting on it shortly, I'm sure. So <laughs> No, but the PS1 game was awesome. Yeah, no question, man. Um You could say it was just because of it being the initial exposure, but I think it's more than that. I really do think it was a good game. A great I game. think part of the appeal of Spider-Man as a character is thinking about what it must feel like to swing on a web through cities. And so to be able to play that experience is the most important part of any Spider-Man game to me. Yeah. And then to have like the chaining of inputs and shit that, that Spider-Man depth, you know what I mean? Yep. 
uh, absolutely. That, that was like the, I think the big introduction into that type of shit, which would be prevalent in 3d superhero games in general. Totally. But the list is running thin, bro. So I'm getting a touch nervous. Why don't you throw something out? <clears throat> well, this is the biggest reach on my list as far as fitting into the list, but it was pertinent enough that I had to put it on. And I think this is my second inclusion on a list for this game, but it's Marvel versus Capcom two. Now, Oh, you snuck that in. I did. I had to, this game meant a lot to me. And I know that I've already talked about this on the arcade list, so I'm not going to go too deep with it, but this game meant a lot to me. It's probably my favorite or one of my favorite arcade games of all time. Uh, as I've discussed and understandable, you know, it, it brought a cast of characters from a franchise that was very important to me into a playable video game. So that's why it fit on the list for me. The, the specifically licensed aspect of it was one big part of what made it special to me, um, as well as the gameplay, which is what put it on the other list. You know what I mean? So, I really, I really have a special place in my heart for Marvel versus Capcom specifically too, because that's the one that was big on the cabinets, uh, you know, when we were kids. But I, I just, <laughs> I just want to play as Spider Man. Give me a game where I can play as Spider Man, and that's, that's all I, that's all I ever want to do. Well, you got, you got better than that. I mean, they brought your, your Marvel characters into one of my favorite franchises in gaming, Bro Street Fighter. Absolutely. I mean. Gambit, like just so many great characters from that game, and to have you know the Capcom it's, characters, Street yeah. Fighter characters, is like it's a dream. It's funny that that would have been a dream crossover if it didn't already exist. Exactly, no question. Like that would have been at the top of dream crossovers. Definitely, but it's something so prominent in our minds that we would never dream of putting it on a dream list because we've already got it and we love it. Yeah, that was like the original dream crossover that actually happened. Absolutely, man. That was the first most ambitious crossover. <laughs> that was the reckoning of arcades. Like, yep. Just absolutely, bro. But dude, it's time to get to the number ones. Yep, and it's funny because it turns out that on a movie list, I get to put one of my favorite games of all time, like one of my absolute favorite games of all time. And yep. it's not Nightfire, it's 007 Goldeneye. I'm very, <laughs> very disappointed in you, kind of, that you put a 007 game that's not Goldeneye. Well, here's the thing, Sterling. I played hundreds of hours of 007 Nightfire. I never owned Goldeneye. I only played it occasionally with some other folks. So that's why that's why I know Goldeneye is a better game, but Nightfire was was my better game, you know what I'm saying? Nightfire could be a better game. I don't it's know. Not. I'm, I'm, it's I'm not. <laughs> it's not. Don't worry. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if it was, but I know one thing. Goldeneye, it just so happens, and, and this is just the way things line up. You know, I still got my gold 64, and just so happens that's the game that's packaged with it. That was my, mm -hmm. that's the game I got with it, bro. So I couldn't be happier that that was the case because I could almost put Goldeneye on a top five favorite games list. I totally. really do think it would make the cut. Uh, 
it's so, so many fond memories to me. Uh, and, and like I think about the first time playing multiplayer on it. You know, when we're kids, it's funny to think now. One of the when you buy a game, you're wondering if there's multiplayer or not. You go to the eShop. How many players? One, one to two, one to four, whatever. Yep. On that game, I went probably who knows how long without knowing that there was multiplayer. Oh. See, that um, was the f- because I never owned the game. The first time I ever played it was in a multiplayer context. Maybe yeah, with you, quite possibly. Probably, man. We I probably noticed the feature and then, you know, played it with you or something, but I really remember just diving straight into the campaign and mm-hmm. being like just enthralled with it. So, to see that there was a multiplayer mode where you could actually play as like additional characters in the game that was really cool that was almost like the first mercenaries because mm-hmm. you, you know you're playing as like wesker in the mercenaries you're like holy shit i'm playing as wesker dude yeah and on here you know you're like playing as terra Velum and everything and you're like dude i'm playing as the fucking enemy like that was i want to really play cool- as odd job all the time <laughs> You could play as your boy. What is uh, Boris Boris Valentin, who oh, was yeah. the guy who played Hagrid? Oh, that's right. So technically, Hagrid has a 3D model in Goldeneye. <laughs> that's so funny. I never th- I never realized that. Like I needed another reason for this to be the top of my list. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's a, it's. I, I knew that would be your pick. It's a great game. Yeah, I could see. It's just not my most special you know 007 game yeah and i'm not disappointed in you man i was just joking of but, course um <laughs> but dude i could go on and on about golden i'm wondering what your number one is well i did allude to it already dude but it's spider-man on the ps4 and you've said enough about the game uh previously <laughs> to where i kind of thought that might be the case it's it's this game would be on probably like a top 20 list of just my favorite games ever. It's absolutely incredible. Everything that you said about Spider-Man for the PS1 applies like to an extreme degree, obviously just because it's, you know, it had a ton of dev time and it was a very high budget game and it shows because it's one of the best superhero games I've ever played and it means a lot to me because I've always been a big Spider-Man fan. I, I, as a kid, I watched, you know, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. I was very into everything Spider-Man, rainy movies, loved them. Like the PS1 game I played, Spider-Man 2, I had on the GameCube. Uh, there was a ultimate Spider-Man like cell shaded adventure game that I even played that was really good. Um, But this game tops them all for me. It takes every good element from every Spider-Man game and basically just like puts them all together in the best way possible in a huge open expansive story with tons and tons and tons and tons of side optional content. And I could go on and on, but obviously I love the game. Uh, I've been getting back into PS4 lately after being on a pretty much Nintendo binge for the last year, year and a half or so. And uh, yeah, Spider-Man was one of the first games that I turned on when I turned my PS4 back on for the first time in a while. I I just love the game a lot. Yeah. uh, 
even without playing it, I mean, I can almost surely say that it blows the PS1 game out of the water. Well, it's a GoldenEye versus Nightfire situation. It's just, it's not about which game's better. It's just about which game's better, you know, for you. Yeah, perhaps. But of course, me not playing it is a big factor. Totally. I think if you played Spider-Man 4, it would absolutely blow your mind. Spider-Man 4? What? Spider-Man on the PS4, it would blow your mind. And I really, I really uh, look forward to uh, getting up with you because if the listeners don't know by now, we're not in the same place in the world. Uh, But I do look forward to getting up with you someday soon and uh, giving you a chance to play Spider-Man because I think you'd absolutely love it. Yeah, man, definitely. It's funny to think that uh, episode 11 might be the reveal that we're not in the same room. I think it's probably been pretty obvious, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. But uh, no, uh, yeah, but what a top five. I know, I know. The crazy stuff. So three franchises, zero games in common, dude, as predicted. Really? Yep, Spider-Man, 007, and um, uh, what was the other one? Star Wars? Yeah, exactly. Wow, you're pretty fucking good. Hey, man. I can read you like a book, and I knew it was on my list. <laughs> but you but you would have never guessed Tarzan. No, I would have never, ever guessed Tarzan or Bugs Life. You're right about that. Uh, Bugs Life, I, I might have suspected you, you'd guess, but Tarzan, I knew I was going to get you with that one. I thought you were going to say something about Toy Story. Toy Story, dude, it's so funny you say that because I was thinking from the perspective of the game being objectively good. Of course, which... (laughs) And I just had... I hesitated. You understand? (laughs) That's hilarious. I have fond... Make no mistake. I have fond memories of the first one on Genesis, the platformer. And I have very fond memories of two. The one on PS1 we talked about where you play as Buzz. Yeah. But do I think they belong on a top five list? No. Maybe not. Top five Disney games, maybe. Like, like it, it. that's where the line in the sand is between games that are good and games that we really fondly remember. Because <laughs> like I said... That's that, good to know that's where the line is. Yeah, we could have dove into... Which, eventually, we might get into discussing, like, licensed games, good and bad. You know, that's a lot to talk about. I had the same thought with Beavis and Butthead. Uh, oh man, I I've played a Beavis and Butthead game, but I forgot what system it was on. Was it Super? It's Nintendo? the same one. I'm. It's like a 2D side scroller with pick up, like pick up items, use items here. Yeah, like that that type like the Scooby Doo games. Exactly. Which is funny. I, when we talked on the phone about doing this top five, I thought about the Scooby Doo games, but I immediately was like. Don't let the nostalgia talk. They weren't There's good. no Scooby-Doo game that warrants being on the list. No. Like, I finally remember them, but like I told you, I briefly picked up at, uh, the whatever Capers one. Oh, sure. Uh, on the Game Boy Color whenever I was playing some um the retro achievement shit I used to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, dude, it did not go well. It <laughs> it really was like didn't, walking. Didn't get too many achievements on that one. Nah, kind of left that one a little vacant just because, uh, yeah, walking around, picking up items, getting spooked and using the items. But 
Scooby-Doo may not have made the list, but I think we had some pretty solid games that were on these. Definitely, dude. Let's wrap up with the three shop. Well, I got to tell you, the RE showcase happening was a godsend for the three shop because I'm going to come right out and say, aside from what I talk about here, the three shop is trash. Yeah. The eShop. Yeah. The eShop is trash. This three shop is not. No, this three <laughs> shop's going to be hot. Oh, yeah. But what we're going to do is we got a Resident Evil special here. Everything on the Switch, Resident Evil related, is on sale. And not just on sale, it's on a hot sale, bro. So I'm just going to go down the list real quick. It's not too much. The first Resident Evil, the HD remake, or if you want to call it HD, I had this one on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pick that up 35% off, down from 20 bucks to twelve ninety nine. That's tempting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the same sale on Zero. Another one I had on GameCube. Great yep. game. Uh, so you could pick those up for thirteen bucks. You can get four, five, and six for twenty five percent off. Fourteen ninety nine. We've talked about it before. Even if just for Resident Evil Four, that's a good price. I mean, definitely the, the, the twenty is good enough for Resident Evil Four. So if you don't have that, that's yet, what I paid. Yes, fourteen ninety nine <laughs> is the way to go. Yep. We talked recently about these games go on sale a lot, but both Revelations one and two sixty percent off seven ninety nine. Mm. They're usually nice. twenty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty tempting to see that. I, I played Revelations the first one on three DS, and even on the three DS, pretty impressive for what it was. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine that the games on console are really good. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, Resident Evil time is now as far as the digital game on eShop. Yeah, if you're miss if you're missing any of them, now's the time to get them. Yep, and just because the the eShop is not looking so hot, I got one more little banger for you. Okay, Bioshock. I don't know if you're a fan of Bioshock. I oh. am. You can get the games one, two, and then infinite complete edition you can get them separately 50 percent off for 9.99 they're normally 20 or you can get the collection all three of them for 50 percent off bro a 50 dollar collection for 24.99 so bioshock is a franchise i have a weird relationship with i bought bioshock for pc for 30 dollars with my own money when i was like 13 my PC was not good enough to play it at the time, so it just kind of got shelved. And then I never, ever played the games. I was given or something. I don't even know where it came from, but I have Bioshock Infinite on some console, and I don't, I've never played it. I think I have the whole collection on Steam. And it, they're now also on PlayStation Now, which I'm playing. And I've never, ever played more than 30 seconds of a single Bioshock game after all that. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's a pretty unfortunate beginning to the story, I got to say. But uh, I actually got... It's funny you say you bought it with your own money. I, I actually got for myself a long time ago a double pack that had Oblivion and Bioshock on the same, you know, in the same packaging. What? 
Yeah. Like Elder Scrolls Oblivion? Yeah. I don't know where I got it from. It was it was, you know, not too long after those games came out, but I I'm absolutely positive that I had bought some type of two pack that featured Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Bioshock. I would not ever have thought that such a thing existed, but that's cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Is Bioshock does, Bethesda? I don't think so, but it does sound strange. But, th- I mean, who knows, dude? I'm telling you, I got these games bundled. Hey, fair and enough, it, dude. I'm not questioning second, you on it that. It's just interesting. Hand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I played all the way through the first Bioshock on 360 and mm-hmm. loved it. Haven't gotten a lot of hands-on with 2, and I haven't played as much of Infinite as I'd like to because I've heard amazing things about Infinite, but I didn't get mm-hmm. too far into it. But, dude, Bioshock is pretty awesome, so this is pretty mm-hmm. appealing to pick up, even if you just want to get one for nine ninety nine. Yeah, dude, that's a good price. So, luckily, dude, we had Resident Evil and Bioshock to save the three shop this time the around. dreadful of the selection oh, otherwise man. please everybody just give it a week or so and then go back and look if you're a browser <laughs> the e-shop it is miserable yeah uh, i was joking with my girl it's like i could put firefighter simulator and solitaire on it <laughs> seems good if you have a ps4 just go grab a playstation now subscription instead it sounds like a pretty good idea that's that's my three shop contribution right there. Just do that. <sighs> yep. It's there's a seven day free trial too, so you can, if you're really hard into it, you can go and play a game or two in that time frame for free. Yes, indeed, bro. I sound and like uh, I'm advertising. I really don't have any like reason to push it other than the fact that I started playing it myself, and I'm very happy with the fact that it runs so well and it's so like easy to use. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, uh, it seems like a pretty solid option for a Sony boy. Totally. But I tell you what, next time we air, bro, we're going to have Little Nightmares 2 out, and we're going to have 3D World Plus out. Oh, man. we, We didn't talk about the Bowser's Fury. No, we didn't. But they did mention uh, we're looking at kind of a whole nother game to launch. People were wondering what the situation was, you know. Yeah, uh, three to six hours of gameplay, you said. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing, dude. And uh, so Bowser's Fury is looking pretty hot. It's going to be pretty exciting. I'm going to have both games when we record again. So Very exciting. Definitely look forward to talking about that. You've already played 3D World, so you have a lot to talk about as well with that one. Totally. I should have it by the time we record, too. I'm getting it physical, probably, for my birthday. <laughs> Oh, that's right, huh? Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. But uh, if only you were getting Little Nightmares too. But next time it goes on sale, I'm going to put it on 3Shop just to bash it into your head. Yeah, I can't wait. And uh, pull you into the universe, bro. But this has been quite the episode, my brother. Uh, To top it off with movie games. (laughs) I mean, that just does it right there. Totally. But yeah, man, uh, if anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, please contact us at starrudepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and I think that's going to bring us to the end of episode 11, my friend. It certainly will, my brother. And to everyone listening, thank you so much. And we look forward to doing episode 12. Thanks, everyone.
Peace. Peace.